Hello, hello, Kristen here. Just wanted to let you know that this episode was recorded before the podcast name change. If you hear any old terminology, that's why. Thank you for listening. Hello, notable women. Thank you so much for joining me today, talking with Michaela Colthurst-Reed. When Michaela first reached out to me and said she wanted to talk about burnout, I said, what? Yes, please, of course. I suffer from burnout so much, and I know that you all probably do too. So I hope you enjoy this episode. She is a delight full of very exciting information. I'll be back at the end to fill in any gaps. Welcome to the Notable Woman Podcast. Today's guest is Michaela Colthurst-Reed, a health and wellness coach and blogger who runs Naturally Whole, whose purpose is to help busy, young, professional women achieve a life of unapologetic balance and wellness in all areas of their life. Michaela is a communications marketing professional, personal trainer, and a singer, an alto. Altos represent. Welcome, Michaela. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much, Kristen. It is a pleasure to be on. Can you give us a little background into who you are, what do you love, and what makes you tick? So who am I? You already kind of covered a lot of it. So I work in communications marketing. I have this passion for health and wellness. And I do have a really soft spot for that busy young professional woman because I see a lot of that reflected in myself. And because of the things that I've been through and the things that I've learned, I really just want to help other women achieve where I am right now as far as I've come and anything that I can pay forward. I will be so happy to do so. I love to talk about all things total wellness and that body, mind and spirit balance is what I'm all about. And as I said, I've struggled with a lot of those areas in the past, taking on way too much, having unhealthy relationships with my body and food and and suffering emotionally because of it. So I'm also really passionate about achieving unapologetic balance as a way to really thrive in, in all areas of your life. May I ask, I love the expression unapologetic balance. Can you define what that means for you? Well, for me, it means setting boundaries about what fits for your life. And so it's really easy to play that comparison game and to look at other people who you think are conquering the world. But you know, if that works for them, that is great. And that's not for I mean, that's not for me to judge. What I can judge is what my own capacity is and finding all unapologetic balance is about feeling out where that limit is and setting boundaries once you find it so that you're not pushing yourself past the limit of what is healthy for you. I love that. Now, when did you first start Naturally Whole and why? So Naturally Whole was conceived of as an idea early in 2015. Originally, it was called Fitness Focused Faith. And if you actually look on the blog now, those are three different areas where I kind of house my blog blog posts. And it came about just because those are the areas that I'm passionate about. And it it's that mind, body and spirit, like I want to be really good spiritually, I really want to be good professionally, if that's what I, um, you know, for whatever I choose to pursue professionally, and my health is huge and paramount to me. And it's how I survived that faith and that professional aspect. So I started that just as a place to to dump my ideas. And then it kind of just evolved from there into wanting to to coach other people through it as well. Let's talk about the spiritual side for a second. How do you feel like people can be made spiritually whole again? Well, that's an interesting question because people come from all different kinds of backgrounds, whether it's faith, spirituality, religion. And I think that with that has come a lot of damage for people, the way that they think, the way that they process things emotionally. And I do think that, um, I mean, I have my own beliefs about how you can come about being spiritually whole again. And I've been on my own faith journey to reach the level of wholeness that I feel that I'm that I'm at right now. But I do think that unless 
unless you can reconcile the way that you want to live your life with your spiritual beliefs, I don't think that you'll ever truly be comfortable with yourself. And I don't think that you'll ever be uh, really living into a purpose and you won't be able to really find that unless those those things are aligned. Beautifully said. Now, I've been reading your blog, obviously, and you focus a lot on burnout, which is something that I certainly identify with. And I think a lot of our notable woman audience will also identify with. How do you define burnout? So for me, burnout is uh, it's a state where you're feeling so taxed and it can be physically, but usually it's mentally and emotionally like it's not that evident to others, I think. And you're feeling so taxed that you begin to shut down and become a little bit numb and apathetic about things that you you want to be passionate about, but you almost can't find the energy to put passion into it because it's become so robotic and it's become so uh, such such a burden for you. And it's this paradoxical state of defeat where you, you you don't really have a desire to keep going, but at that point you don't know any other way to live except to just do what you've always been doing. And I observe it often people who are regularly operating in high stress environments that that build an intensity over time, and a lot of the time it's self imposed. So you are putting a lot of the stress on yourself because you have to do X, Y, and Z. And really, you're not embracing the choice that you actually have to do what you want with your time. And you know, it, it may manifest itself differently for different people. But I think you know, what's going on inside your head and heart, it's, it's quite similar for everybody. So why do you think so many people are burned out? I think a lot of it is, uh, it's because of external expectations. And it's because of a feeling that you don't have choice. I mean, I learned personally, that a lot of the things that I committed to over the course of my life were out of fear of how I would look or how people would perceive me if I didn't. So for example, in university, you know, you're pulling the all-nighters because everyone else in your class is pulling the all-nighters to get that grade. What if, if I don't actually, if I step back and evaluate, do I actually need to do the same thing to apply myself to my work? Or can I just, you know, follow my own study habits and be independent of that? Or does it look like I'm not trying hard enough? Does it look like I'm not committed enough if I don't, you know, do what everyone else is doing? So I did make a lot of choices that stressed me out and contributed to a state of burnout for me, not because it's what I actually felt like it it was what I needed to do or what I was passionate about or what I wanted to do, but because I was scared of how it would look if I didn't. And so whether in school or career, or even in your personal life, I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't think that doing things for others or to make others happy is a bad thing. But I do think that there needs to be an evaluation of what is needful for you, what is needful for you life. And again, it's it's that individual, what is my own limit and living, living into that. I love that, Michaela. I love it so much because I personally definitely have overburdened myself in my life and mostly because I feel like I have to say yes to everything. Yeah. And since I've had a tiny human, I can't do that anymore <laughs> because, you know, they take up a lot of time and there's not a lot of the sleeping happening. And so I, the, the way that I solved it for myself is I have a list in my Evernote and it can only ever have five things that I've promised people that I'll do for them. And so maybe it's, you know, reading somebody's grant proposal or proofreading an article that someone wrote, but can only ever have five things. And then when something falls off, I can add something else to it. That's it. Five. And that's really helped me because I would say yes to everyone and it would just be overwhelming. But it was me 
it was me saying yes to everybody. So I was overburdening myself. So I think that that's a really great point that you make there. Now, how do you think being burned out affects our relationships with our friends, our family, our loved ones? Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, in my own experience, I think that it kind of it turns you into the worst version of yourself, honestly. And I think that the reason is that because because we neglect that consistent daily self maintenance and self check, and we're not being filled up with a sense of a sense of purpose and a sense of energy from God or from, you know, from your spiritual life or, you know, your faith practices. I think that what it does is it turns us largely to focus disproportionately inward. And because we haven't been filled already, we're trying to grab everything that we need from other people. And we're trying to suck them dry as a way to fill the void that we've been responsible for creating within ourselves. And I do think that that it it can negatively affect relationships, especially for people who don't quite understand you yet, or how you how you operate, or they can't see those warning signs. I do think that it can be it can be really detrimental for your personal relationships, especially the close ones, especially. Now, how do you think being burned out affects our relationships with our with ourselves with our own life satisfaction? Yeah, I mean, it's hard because you feel like you're doing so much, but you're not getting anything done. And that I mean, to me, that is my that is the ultimate state of I guess you would say life dissatisfaction is that you feel you you feel tired, but with nothing to show for it. And it is the it's so discouraging. It's so so discouraging. And you feel like what's the point, but you can't stop because that's the life that you've created. And you feel like if you stop, you're actually never going to be able to get back up again. I feel like I must look like a bobblehead to you because I have my (laughs) mic and then my giant head on top of it. And I'm just shaking again. Yes. Yes, I I 100% agree with you. That is just the perfect way to describe it. So we, we've heard all of this. We know that obviously burnout is bad. So let's talk about how can someone recognize in themselves that they are burned out? It's difficult, to be honest. And I think unless you've done some deep introspection and taken the time to actually write things down and journal and, and really explore your feelings and how you're reacting to things, it can be really hard to notice um, and recognize if you're burning out until it's too late, until you're completely debilitated, until you have some sort of public meltdown in front of someone that's really embarrassing and you're wondering what's going on. And the first sign is really exhaustion. And it may seem like an obvious answer because, you know, there's a lot of different reasons why you should be tired or why you could be tired. But if you're feeling chronically fatigued mentally and chronically kind of down and out and always finishing the day feeling like you're not enough and that you haven't accomplished enough, even if you have been working a whole day, I mean, that is a sign in your mindset that you're starting to burn out because it's this continual hamster wheel. Like you're never actually reaching a destination. You don't have things that you can say, okay, I have done enough. If you're always feeling like you haven't done enough, that is a red flag in my opinion. So that someone recognizes that, okay, I'm burned out. What would be the first step that they should take in trying to fight this burnout? It's funny because the language that you use fighting burnout, it's almost that you can't, it's almost counterintuitive to me to try and fight burnout because that it requires more work. It's more so you just have to pause and kind of succumb to it because if your body is starting to burn out, if you're starting to burn out mentally, emotionally, you know, your body's trying to tell you something and it's usually it's just time to take a break. So if possible, I would say you need to clear your schedule for the next 24 hours or, you know, find a pocket of time in the next week or so where you can take at least half an hour or an hour to yourself that doesn't belong to anybody else and really just sit and let your mind be quiet and process everything that's going on. 
on in there. And I always like to say that in my own life, I have a whole bunch of open loops that are in my brain. And I think that in the background, it's kind of like running different computer windows in your background. You have all these different tabs open and you're not finished with every one of them yet. So at some point you just get frustrated and you shut them all down. And I think sometimes it's a little bit, it's a little bit necessary to do that in our personal lives. If we, if we recognize that we're having some burnout issues or we recognize that burnout is coming on, it's important to just really take a step back, kind of step out of the matrix and let your mind just be for a period of time. I think that's a much better approach than my John Wayne fighting the burnout, uh, <laughs> which I think you're right, that that is probably very counterintuitive language. And uh, but that was totally in my head. We had a sword and we were stabbing at the burnout. But uh, I think your approach is, is much better. Now, you, you, you talked a little bit about journaling earlier. Is that something that you recommend for folks to, to do, to try? And if so, how could they go about starting? I do think journaling is a really therapeutic activity. And I myself, I'm a writer. That's my profession. That's what I like to do in my spare time. So it comes naturally to me. But I don't think it's the be all and end all of releasing thoughts. I think that even if you have like a voice recorder, some a lot of people I know process things quite verbally. So to write to them, it's kind of a chore. But really, even if you need to uh, open an audio note on your phone, or an app or something that can record what you're thinking, go for a walk and let it out into your recording app and listen to it a little bit later and think, use that as a mirror to bounce your ideas off and bounce your thoughts up. And the reason this is good is because it's not good to keep things inside your head all the time, because that is really what can mess us up and what can stop us from being able to evaluate things objectively. But if you want to go about journaling, I do think there are some great apps that you can use. I think Evernote is a great one, especially you can record audio on there as well. So Evernote, uh, Google Keep, Google Docs uh, for just jotting things down. I think those are great tools, especially in the smartphone age where we're always on the go. But also, if you want to just go old school, get a little notebook, pen, pen or pencil and, you know, write stuff down. Anything. It doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be fancy. Write something. It's therapeutic. I promise it will help. I do journal in the mornings now and I do really like mm -hmm. it. And then at the end of the day, I use this app called Grid grid diary where you can oh, cool. ask yourself six questions and uh so every day the grid comes up at 9 p.m and it, there are my six questions i get to answer and you can set the questions to whatever you want them to be and so you know mine focus on gratitude and did you you know did you exercise today those sort of things that I know I'm trying to work on and make sure that I'm accountable to myself that nine o'clock. I have to get it in. But so that that works for me. And I just write a sentence in at the end of the day. And then in the morning, I do a lot more writing about whatever's in my head. Do you have any other steps that you would recommend for someone who is working on burnout? They're not fighting it. They're working on it. How's that? Yeah, totally. And I think that's a really good way to put it because it is all about a journey. It's a process. And I think if you're if you're thinking about if you're thinking about the situation as fighting burnout, you're just adding something to your to do list instead of trying to incorporate something into your lifestyle, which might actually make you more stressed out anyway. So um, I do think working on burnout is a good way to put it. I would say the key is to really just have some systems and boundaries in place so that you know when to say no. And that's a lot easier said than done. And it takes a lot of work to get to to that place. But if you have that as a goal to to really figure out what your boundaries are, figure out what your capacity is, write it down, record it on those audio notes if you need to. And then when a situation comes up where that boundary is being pushed, you got to stand up for yourself. Because if at the end of the day, if you're burnt out, you're of, you're of no use to anybody that you wanted to be really useful for. You know, you can't serve as well as you want to serve. And, you know, we're all heart-centered people. We want to be able to do things for others. And if we're burnt 
burnt out. The reality is that we just can't. Now, for someone who who takes your advice and they're doing pretty good on burnout, and then let's say they have uh, something you talked about earlier in the episode, and no, it hasn't happened to me, lying, lying, uh, where you <laughs> have some sort of freak out moment. What's the best way to combat that, let's say, sort of the most extreme version of your burnout? I think my biggest advice would be don't be afraid to admit it. Like, don't don't let the shame of what's just taken place keep you in denial that there is something that still needs to be worked on. You know, as I as I said before, it is a process. And I think that if you can find someone, one or two people that you feel comfortable being honest with, you feel comfortable just kind of talking to about whatever issues that you may be experiencing, I think that that's really healthy because I think a lot of times, you know, the shame of having that embarrassing moment makes you kind of pretend that it didn't happen or that you're okay. You're like, oh, okay, just, you know, toughen up, soldier on, like, it's all I need to do is no actually you something happened there and that triggered a really awful moment for you and you need to address it and see what's going on so that you can get to the bottom of why it happened so it doesn't happen again in future hopefully and if it does you know you work on that and you keep processing through it now switching to you for a second what would you say is the biggest assumption that people make about you okay so I have a tendency to be a little bit reserved when people maybe when people first meet me and I I have all different facets of my personality so I'm naturally introverted, but I can be really, really outgoing at times and really, really quiet. And I think sometimes the biggest assumption people make about me is that I'm a quiet person and I'm actually, I'm not. It just, I'm selectively, I'm selectively outgoing, I think is how I describe myself. I think that's a great way to describe it. I like it. (laughs) Selectively outgoing. That makes perfect (laughs) sense. My husband is like that. He can be very outgoing. And then I'll tell people like, oh, he's such a talker. And then we'll go to dinner and he won't say anything. (laughs) And I'll say, "Um, today is just not a talkative day. So I hear you. Yeah, that's exactly how I operate. I think it's just I go whatever uh, way the wind is blowing that day. If it doesn't feel right for me to be for me to be speaking up about things, then I will just I will hold my peace. There you go. That's a Shakespeare for you. Hold your peace. I like it. Now, what would be one takeaway you would want people to get from this podcast episode? The one takeaway that I want people to get from this podcast episode is that if any of this has sounded like you or anything that you've experienced, just know that you're not alone in it. And that um, a lot of times people experience burnout alone because they are too afraid to actually try and reach out to people. And I think the whole reason why I wanted to create this naturally whole blog and coaching practice and community really is so that everyone kind of had a a support system that they could say, okay, well, I'm actually struggling with this right now. What are some tips that you've learned that you can help or just to bounce ideas off people or, you know, have a, have a sounding board for how you're feeling because a lot more people are going through the same thing that, um, than you realize. And the reason you feel alone is because there's kind of a nature of competition out there. Like who can go the hardest and take on the most without collapsing? And it, it just doesn't need to be like that. Now, do you have a book you would love to recommend to the notable woman audience? Can I list off a few different books? Oh, are you kidding? Of course you can. <laughs> okay. So, um, I kind of have one for, um, you know, more faith based people. And I have one that's it's not religious or anything, but I still found a lot of the principles in it to be helpful for me. So the uh, the faith based one, it's called mind, character and personality by a woman named Ellen White. Yeah, some of the ideas may be controversial. But I think that there's a lot of really, really good principles in there that 
you know, we could take to heart and apply to our lives and would be really effective in helping us with, you know, living that unapologetic balance of mind, body, spirit. The other book that I love, and I'm still currently reading it, I'm not finished yet, is The Happiness Project by Gretchen Rubin. And she kind of documents this 12-month experiment that she goes through um, with different areas of her life, trying to become a happier person and, and finding out what that really means. So I would recommend both of those books. They're good reads. Awesome. Thank you so much. Now, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how should they connect? Okay, so blog is www.naturallywhole.ca. I'm also on Instagram at naturallywhole777 because seven is the number of perfection and completion. <laughs> so that is at N-A-T-U-R-A-L-L-Y-W-H-O-L-E-777 on Instagram. And that is the best place to find me. So give me a shout out over there. We'll connect. I saw your Instagram feed on your blog. It's very nice. You do a good job with it. Thank you very much. <laughs> fancy, fancy. So I will definitely link to the books as well as your blog, as well as your Instagram in the show notes. And Michaela, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, it was awesome. I'm really, really uh, glad that you had me on and I'm looking forward to, to connecting with all the different people that... Uh, that reach out because of this. There you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with me and Michaela. I think it's very funny that she pointed out that I have a sort of John Wayne-like tendency to fight things and probably fighting burnout. Not the best way to go about it. So I hope you enjoyed that episode. Check out the show notes. If you go to the notablewoman.com slash podcast and click on Michaela's episode, you'll see everything there. Thank you so much. I love being here and I hope you love these episodes too. Check you again next week. Bye for now.